is lay down not just those stories that are, to me at least, the most vivid of my early years, but also those that I feel have had, and in some cases continue to have, the most profound effect on me. It would be lovely to say that writing a book like this is easy, but actually it isn't. It's agony at times. It's extraordinary, too, not only what the mind has allowed itself to forget, but also what it has forced itself to remember. It's also amazing how different some of my recollections are to those of my friends and family. My mother, for example, insists that she taught me to make a roux. I do not have the skill to persuade her otherwise, but the truth, as I recall it, is that I learnt it from a book. If I'd only ever learnt to make a roux from my mother, then I wouldn't have ever learnt that the flour really has to be cooked, and thus my sauce, like I'm sad to relate so many of my dear mothers, would never have held. That's not a criticism of my mother, by the way. It is an observation of her cooking style and reportage of a difference of opinion, of which we have several. She uses supermarkets, for instance, and resolutely refuses to use a bag for life. I looked behind her fridge the other day. It was like a landfill site. She has also described self-checkouts as a good thing, which, despite being unusually open-minded of her, strikes me as being completely unconscious of the wider economic impacts of their emergence and unsympathetic to the inevitably damaged morale of the supermarket workforce. But there we are. I doubt very much that she would like to be given a health checkup by a robot, so I'm not at all sure why she's happy to have her courgettes weighed by one. This book has been written, it goes almost but not quite without saying, for you. I've always valued my readers, and I hope I always will. I know that this book is about me, but it is you who I've been thinking of when I have been writing it. It is you who I am seeking to inform, to surprise, for whom I seek to elucidate. It is you with whom I am sharing the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, the delicious and the rather less so. It is you in whom I am confiding." When I have been sitting slumped and weary in front of my laptop, so whacked out by it all that I have barely been able to put finger to button to continue, it is only by thinking about you that I have been able to pick up my sword and soldier on with the text. When I have been lying awake at night unable to sleep, it is you who I have been thinking of. When I have stepped into the shower every morning, it is you I think of first. The same thing happens in the bath of an evening too, by the way. It is you I was thinking about only the other morning when my partner Antony and I were waiting at some traffic lights, and he asked me what it was I was ruminating about. Them, I told him, by which I meant you. It is, after all, you who I ultimately wish to please. But though I have been thinking about you and writing this book, I hope entirely for your benefit, I have also undoubtedly benefited myself. I have had to revisit parts of my life that I haven't thought about for years. I have thought about things that I didn't even know I remembered. I have remembered things I didn't even know that I knew. Some things that I thought I knew, it turned out that I didn't. And some things that I only thought I knew, I now know I really did know, which was a bit of a relief. Undoubtedly, I have been able to lay a certain number of childhood traumas to rest. Has it been cathartic? Ian asked when I handed him the first draft. Unbelievably so, I replied, and I have learnt so much. What about? he asked. Me, I said. And I have. But just to be clear, I have done it for you. Damien Trench, Queen's Park, 2017 Chapter 1 The Beginning So then, where to start? No place like the present, as far as I'm concerned, and I've just had one of those absolutely mad mornings when you pop out of the house only intending to have a quick perusal of some clay tagines, and somehow end up coming home a full two hours later with nothing to show for your travels and indeed travails but a brand new gas ring expander. I think I was probably as surprised as anybody. But then, sometimes life is just like that, isn't it? We're none of us truly in control of our destiny, and I considered it in no way a wasted morning. Inspiration really can strike at the most unexpected moments. I once dashed out of a Franco Zeffirelli retrospective at our really rather excellent local independent art cinema, and made Kulibiaka for eight. 
If you can find rhyme or reason in such an action than you are, I think it is only fair to say, a better man than I. It was, by the way, delicious. If I made it again, and I quite seriously think that I might, then I would consider adding very slightly more dill, and I would perhaps go out of my way to find a bigger onion. It would also be sensible to cook such a thing at a time when there were seven other people about to help me eat it, but despite these findings I was perfectly happy with the results. I may have to wait for another day to see young Toscanini on a big screen, but at least I know that I have it in me to produce a seriously good Russian pie on a whim. It's so vitally important to listen to one's instincts, I always think. I once asked our builder, Mr. Mullaney, if he wouldn't mind painting our downstairs loo for us. Mr. Mullaney has often insisted, modestly, that interior decorating and building really are completely different skill sets, and that both jobs are best left to their respective specialists, and I can see where he's coming from, up to a point, but I've noticed many times over the years that painting walls is actually something that the man has a real flair for, and that he owes it to himself, if no one else, to be more confident in that.